What's up, guys? John Sintes here. My partner, Cass Kreitlow. Kreitlow? Kreitlow? Kreitlow is right. Kreitlow. Um, Cutter Nation. We are Cutter Nation. We finally sit down and do this podcast. We talked about it since the beginning, since the Genesis, which he told me was December 5th the other day. So we are officially three months, four months in, right? Yep. Four months in, things going well, but we just wanted to go over some topics and some things. First of all, don't forget, run over to the website, check out the online store. You can get some of the gear. By the way, hats came in. Got to finish them. So I got the hats, I got the patches. Waiting for the industrial adhesive to come on so we can get all that going. That'll all be available online soon. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel uh, and also go follow Cass and his YouTube channel. And yeah, just my name, just my name. That's how you find it. So. Exactly. So we've, we've got a ton of questions about stuff, about things, and uh, Cass was feeling real ranty. Uh, he got off the phone with the Hamlin uh, University pitching coach, where he used to be a coach at. And so uh, if you guys like this, please don't forget to subscribe to the channel, share it with everybody. And if you have any questions for us, we're always down to take questions. So what's up, dude? Not much. So, tell me about this rant. <clears throat> so... Um, yeah, I'll just go right into it. Um, I feel like we were, me and, me and him have been pretty much on the same page from day one. So this guy, his name's Wesson Germain, and he moved to Minnesota from Michigan. And typically, we don't hire coaches that didn't go in our program. And that that's pretty common in college programs. And I say we, I just... Not necessarily I agree with that, but just that's typically how things happen. Um, so jobs in the MIAC, the, the conference that we played in, are really tough to get for that reason. So anyway, he came in, and I'm like, I like this guy. I think we should have him on. So we actually had two pitching coaches at uh, D3. I mean, obviously, I would do infield stuff. He would do other stuff like that. But we've gone over, like, we, we often will not – believe all the same things necessarily but always appreciated where we were coming from um and so i have always respected his thought process and yeah so anyway um i just feel like since coming to san diego working with john it's it's just become really simple to me um you know i felt like i've had a pretty good grasp of throwing for a long time but i didn't really have anybody challenging me to think about it any differently and and that's John is saying things that people are not saying and and you start looking for them and just that whole conversation it's as much as that seems like it would be complicated and confusing for somebody like it, it has really simplified how I think throwing is and and I don't think people are talking about it the right way I think it's so complicated and I think hitting especially hitting you guys can relate to that like why aren't even out front I feel like out front um, Casey Smith is just like people appreciate that it's fairly simple like I think that's a lot of people are gravitating towards that you know Doug Lotta I've talked with Garrett Redka and he thinks that Lotta is so good because it's simple you know everybody wants simple and I, I feel like I'm really at that point because of how we're training kids so that's kind of like I can go deeper into it, um, but for now, I'm just really excited that I feel like things are simplified. And Wes and I were just kind of digging into 
some of the details, which we might get into on this. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it, it's been really fun having you in here um, and the way you found me. Look, you know, so, so everybody that doesn't know, I've, I do a lot of networking and marketing and stuff, obviously, through Instagram. You guys see all this stuff all the time. But what was cool about what happened with Cass is Cass moved here from Minnesota, and we just started kind of talking back and forth in this group that we were in. And one day he just asked me if he could come, you know, watch, come hang out. And I said, sure, yeah, man, you can definitely come. I didn't know him from anybody. It wasn't even a group yet, that first time you asked me. So I knew of him because of Instagram. So I was gonna let you go until it became inaccurate. So I was working at uh, Canyon Side Cages and I have no, I, I think they're great people over there. I think they're doing a great job. There was just an opportunity with John and I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So I knew of John simply because of Instagram and I was new here to San Diego. So the first time I met John, now, now you keep going. Yeah, so he shows up one day and, and uh, starts asking me questions and I show him the setup of the gym and where we're at and my vision on what I'm thinking about. And uh, he just kind of took to it. And so I kind of told him a couple cues and a couple things that what I like and, and what was cool about it is he saw four random kids that I think a couple dudes um, don't even aren't even uh, with right. training with us anymore, those same guys, but yeah, I think yeah. they're stuck in their high school stuff. But I think he saw four or five guys just, you know, doing what we do, throw hard, you know, trying to hit the target, you know, get feedback from the radar gun. And, you know, he was just telling me, it's just so weird that we're radar gunning every throw. And for me, what, what I like to explain to everybody about that is, it's not that you're trying to blow out the radar gun. You are, but you aren't. But you're also trying to use it as a measuring tool you to find out what you feel to what actually happens if you feel like you're throwing the ball as hard as you possibly can but the number doesn't hit your max speed there's something going on in there that that is off time or maybe rotating slow or you're stopping your hand there's there's just too many different factors so with slow motion video we can really break that stuff down and show you okay when you did throw like we got a guy a college guy that uh, you know pulled down 98 and uh, I mean, he's just a big, strong dude, and he really likes to look at his pull-down video compared to his pitching mechanics video because sometimes they're the same and sometimes they aren't. But obviously, with running guns, what I really like about them is they're the hardest ones to do to have perfect timing and throw the ball fast. If you don't have perfect timing and you don't do these things that we talk about, you just won't throw it fast which, and it won't go straight. Which is a big argument uh, against them and why it's such why it's something that is debated. And I, I want to go back a little bit because that is something that we've talked about uh, since we've been working together. So I keep on bringing up the fact that you know s such a simple I, I hate saying it this way, but such a simple sales pitch is like. We have kids on a gun. Like, that's crazy that that's a, a thing. Like, everybody should be on a gun all the time because it's so affordable. It's so easy to make that happen. But that's not what was impressive to me at the beginning because people are doing that, right? What was impressive to me is that it was one guy with kids that came into the facility. They might have asked a question on a couple exercises, but they came into the facility, did their work. I watched it. He didn't say anything to them. They, they came up to him, said, hey, what's up? G gave him bumps, whatever, and they went and got to work. And that's what is, it's, it's rare. And, and so just the model of us having kids in small groups and 
knowing that there's an expectation of you have to spend some time getting ready to throw a baseball okay and that's written in the program there's there's all kinds of variability on the execution of that but it's there and so many programs don't have that how many times have i seen youth games high school games it's not happening at the college level but most youth games you go to and the first thing they do is go play catch that, that's why we that's why nobody throws the ball well like <clears throat> sorry but the kids in minnesota that i have seen generally suck at throwing a baseball like it's not common to see 80 mile in arms in in minnesota like that's a whole nother conversation i'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole but what i am trying to say is i was so impressed with the model of just having small groups and kids taking accountability to do their work and and we are there to aid in that process but that's so key to me yeah and and to go further on that what what i really believe is whether you're seven eight 18 or 25 if we show you how that we warm up and what we think is the the best way to go about getting the arm getting the body ready to go you're going to turn that into a routine and so the more you do that and then if you can just take that information apply it to before you go in your game not saying that you replace what your warm-up is with your team or your practice but you add on to it. you supplement what we're saying to the process you got to get there a little early it only takes about 10 minutes to knock it out but if you think about it a lot of that 10 minute period is spent around you know chatting with your boys not really doing anything and you can do the same thing while you're doing bands while you're doing some of these exercises with your glove to make sure to basically add an insurance policy to your throwing motion so that you can be more consistent because that's what it comes all down to the biggest thing that people i don't think they understand with throwing is that you have to be able to throw the ball as hard as you can where you want to. And I'm not even talking pitching, I'm talking throwing. You see it all the time in the big leagues. It's almost impressive. There was a highlight the other day with Harper and Hicks and Puig and Cespedes. And these dudes are just throwing the ball from the outfield ridiculously accurately, you know, from anywhere from 250 to 300 feet and just hitting catchers in the glove, spotting it. And it, that skill of throwing doesn't just happen. That is a lot of work and practice and timing and all kinds of things. And we just don't put that into a real fundamental category as throwing. And I think that's what it comes down to is the fundamentals of just throwing the ball, I think is there's a giant misconception across the US on what throwing is. And for example, like where we see it most common is like last night I have a kid doing a backhand and then I have him doing a ground ball uh, as an outfielder coming through and crow hopping. And then I see him pitch and when he pitches, it's different. And the more he continues to pitch, the less he throws well. But if I keep on encouraging him to throw hard on a radar gun, and, and the location of that is not as, the, he doesn't perceive the not throwing a strike or not throwing it accurately as to be the worst thing in the world, right? And he can just throw the ball well. Like, it, it, it just, you see it so much easier when you take them off a mound. That's an example, where a kid on the mound, for some reason, doesn't, see throwing and pitching as the same thing and there's they are two different things in his mind and we don't see them as two different things is that's that's how i think a, a good example is not well articulated but i hope you understand where yeah, i'm coming I mean, that's, from it's the simplest thing i mean the difference in throwing in our eyes and pitching is basically a leg lift 
and from there. And so, I, you, sorry, I just thought of one rant. I need to jump in on this because I have had some ridiculously intense arguments with people, discussions, however you want to talk about it, and and they have said that it's it's significantly different throwing the ball from the infield than a pitcher, and so the principles can't apply. And I've just always had a huge problem with that, and. I mean, so it, it it is convenient that John feels the same way for me, but there's just too many, there's too much evidence that suggests that they're not different, that the skill to throw from all those different positions, from different arm angles, like going in different directions, those different unique demands of infielders, you, the solution is so similar to what we need to do on the mound and what we do in the outfield. And people that disagree with that, we're, we're just not going to be able to... You know, we're, we're just going to disagree with those people. Yeah, I mean, it's there's everybody plays the game differently, especially the different countries that I've played in. And a lot of the things, you know, I tell Cass this all the time, a lot of the things that I've come up with as far as the strategy of what we're trying to do with our athletes and get them to perform better, be more consistent, and feel good is based on the fact that when I was playing down in Mexico, I played with a lot of guys who had a ton of experience that threw really, really hard, really hard, like so fast. And I just watched them, and I watched them how they went about their business. These guys had much more experience, a lot of them major leaguers, and it was just easy for me to be like, okay, they do this particular thing with the ball, they throw it this way, this is kind of how they go about their business, this is what they do for their training, their workouts, and stuff from there. And then I just kind of, okay, you do this well, you do this well, and I kind of just built this mental library about how to go about it, and it helped me too, just by watching. You know, I'm. I'm a big observer, I'm, I know you are too, and you know, we went to a San Diego State, uh, um, Oklahoma game, and we, you know, we had the whole organization invited out to come, and we had a great turnout, it was awesome, and I had some parents talk about a one nothing ball game between OU and San Diego State, and, I, and what I saw was two pitchers on the mound that one guy kind of knew what he was doing, the other guy definitely knew what he was doing, and was able to execute, and you could just see timing was off, feel. But the real funny thing about that when we were talking about it was I don't think people in America can hit. It's, it's, it, is, it is hilarious that you see up the middle oppo approaches when guys are constantly pummeling fastballs inside. And that just doesn't make, they just in the strategy of hitting, if you know somebody's throwing inside, why are you trying to go up the middle or oppo? It just doesn't make sense. You know, and I just we just I see it all the time at yeah, all the levels. Don't, you know, don't adjust. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, hats off to the pitchers that went through that stuff. But the parents didn't understand what we were seeing. We were seeing pitching strategy barely be executed and win in the game, but the offensive strategy never came around. There was never an adjustment period of okay, maybe we should start looking for that inside fastball and trying to pull it down the third baseline and make an adjustment. We just kept seeing, keep the hands inside the ball and try to drive the ball up the middle. And that just doesn't work all the time. And that's, it's hard for people to hear that. But when you, when you play at a high level like I have and you see some of these guys who are really, really good hitters and they don't go oppo all the time. They try to pull the ball all the time and they try to, it's just, it completely counteracts all of the stuff that you hear and grew up in America and hearing and that's what, I grew up in the same thing. I grew up hearing the same stuff, doing the same thing. I felt like I was a pretty decent hitter until I got to college and realized that I couldn't hit. 94 from the left side was sink, and that was where it was. 
So, I mean, I just feel like it's it's evident, and, and I don't, and I, I hope I say this in the most sincere way, I don't think it's always evident um, from the outside that John has a, a really good understanding of what the best do. So I, I think it's, it's easy to hear some of his stories and think it, this is very anecdotal, but I, I think it is very, it, it was much more calculated than the average 26, 27, 28 year old guy playing the game. I have met a lot of those pro guys. They aren't as actively involved in what's going on. So his ability to identify, you know, oh, that guy gets it. His he from an offensive standpoint or on the mound or defensively, like he does have a critical eye for that. But I've also been over here like raising my hand and going, that's not good enough. We can't just say that you think that's the better way to do it. Like we have to support this through things that actually make sense. And I'm, we're, we're not the smartest people in the world. We don't, we're not physicists. Like I don't understand things to that level, but I do understand movement. We do understand movement. We've seen a ton of throws and have spent like, he, it's easier for him to justify, but you just got to trust us. We see it a ton, but we're cross, we're making sure that we're cross-referencing that with, with principles that we know exist. So when we talk about following through all the way, like it's not just because John likes that. For the record, um, I didn't even realize this. So unless you're like super passionate and like diving into all of John's content, you're not going to see this. Like two, three years ago, John wasn't following through all the way. Like he wasn't doing this stuff. So this isn't like John is just telling people like what he does. Like he happens to do that now he happens to do what he preaches. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to practice what you're teaching kids, be able to do it. And, and he does talk about that a lot, but what I wasn't seeing, and I, I think what is, you have to dig a little bit deeper to see that is how much he's evolved too. So a lot of people, because we're, we're, we're blown up a little bit, people are watching us, right? Like there's this, it's really easy to generalize, especially how much content we put out on a daily basis that like, Oh, they're just guys throwing kids in or in high glove side positions and putting them on a radar gun. It's it's deeper than that, and yeah, I you gotta trust me. Yeah. So let, let's get into that because we talk we talk about that all Excuse the time, and, and for the guys that, that see us, whatever we do talk about the K drill. We kind of came up with a name of it because it kind of looks like a K. And, a lot of people don't understand why we have guys start right here. And there's some um, fun salesmanship to that, like strike people out, cage drill, like the gun, like these are, you got bear with us a little bit and understand that there's something to them. There's a theme, there's a theme to it, you know? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I pride myself on that, cause I struggle with this in college, I struggled with it in high school because of all the pressure that a lot of guys put on themselves, which is, you know, Getting to a comfortable mental state on the mound is so difficult to do because of, you know, we, we have we have kids that at freshman and sophomore are already on the mound not playing the game, thinking about what so-and-so university blah, blah, blah is going to be thinking about, how, what they see the stats in this and how fast they blah, 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 and how can they get there and stuff like that. And there is a time and a place to be thinking about that stuff, but you can't be thinking about it on the mound. Because if you're not 100% focused on what you are doing on the mound, then you won't be able to stay consistently in that flow state um, in, in order to replicate the ideas that you're trying to execute. And I know that's very hard to do 
but it's also not because if you can just practice getting into that mental flow state and focusing only on what you are doing, it is easier just to, that's the only way you do it. And a lot of the guys that I have talked to, you know, yeah, I played with some, some big guys and, and when I talk to them about that, like when, you know, when you're going, when you're jogging out from the bullpen into the game and you're trying to do your thing, what happens? You know, how, how are you able to just night after night get in there and just execute those pitches and, and, and be effective and not, you know, miss as often? And, and the, it always comes back to the same thing. And it's just like, well, you know, I, I have these things that I think about that I know as soon as the ball releases out of my hand, what if it's going to do what it needs to do? And so it really, if you, if you break that down, they're just solely focused on them instead of what we see a lot of where we see kids throw the ball and as soon as that ball leaves their hand they look at us or they look at mom and dad or the coach while the ball's still in flight instead of understanding the answer to their own question which is did i do this right or wrong is all with inside them it's all there with them and it's all demonstrated with the baseball if you don't practice throwing the ball as hard as you can where you want to you will never know what that feeling is and yes you're gonna miss like that's the whole point throwing is a skill and skills are practice and you pay attention to the misses yeah it's information it's not I threw it over the batter's head and oh man that was terrible I have to make an adjustment no the where the ball goes directly affects and tells you what you did right or wrong and so that's, there's, there's not a checks and balances system in everybody's head, and that's really what we're trying to create is, if that feels good and you know where you let go and you, feel, you felt your follow through and you executed the idea that you wanted, then as simple as, like you were talking about before, do it again. Can you do it again? Can you think about the things that you're trying to do in these pressure situations? And that's why we like, I really like the strike competitions that we do with our guys because we can create bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the seventh, bottom of the ninth, whatever game you're playing, pressure situations, and you have to throw one pitch and throw a strike. And there's nothing more nervous or rattling than when you put it in there and you know your boy is right next to you and he's already got three strikes and you got two and you have to throw a strike to go into overtime or extra innings or what you want to call it. And if you don't, he wins. So, so the, there's a theme uh, when you're at our facility of, of needing to compete at all times. So it's innate by being in front of a radar gun. Um, we, we are purposely using language that suggests that when you come here, you not only learn how to throw hard, but you learn how to dominate. And as John was talking, I was thinking about, um, like, when, when I played, there were teams, and, and everybody plays this, right? There, there's, the, there's the Patriots of the world. There's the St. Thomas Universities of the D3 world in Minnesota, right? There's people that are watching know what the heck that means. Um, but, like, there's these places that just have a culture of winning, right? And you can create that. Why does it exist? Because people have created that. And then they maintain that, but like somebody had to build it up at some point, right? And so I, we just both really truly believe that the, the more messages that we can send that, yes, you're going to throw better because we know how to train kids, but you're also, we, they are hearing things like you're going to dominate. Like, wow, weird that you dominated. Weird that you struck out 12 kids or nine kids in nine outs. Like, that's crazy that we have, it just, you hear of this kid next to you that just struck out 
nine people in nine outs. Tw face 12 guys, okay, but nine Ks, okay? Then this guy next to him is striking out two guys per inning. Like you start hearing the people around you, everybody's doing that. It's not as surprising when you start doing that. So that, that's just what we're seeing. And anyway, because you had brought up K drill gun and I had suggested that there was there's a reason why you're choosing those like even if it wasn't like we are starting to see a theme like not only in our training but in the words that we use and it's working yeah and and even then like I'm such a component of strikeouts even though I know the theme is different than what I, and I wasn't brought up on strikeouts I was brought up you know Greg Maddox was one of my most favorite pitchers of all time but the dude still has a ton of strikeouts. That's what people don't put into it, you know? Like, he has, like he struck out so many guys. Okay, but let, when you say you weren't brought up on it, it was like your coaches weren't sitting there going, be a badass and strike everybody out. No, that, The that, messages weren't there, right? Yeah. Okay, but like I was so my biggest complaint for the longest time was like I didn't have coaching when I was a kid. So when, when you say that, like, I just didn't have that experience, so I had more of the like, I am just going to throw as hard as I possibly can, and I'm going to have the nastiest hammer that I possibly can. Because coaches are standing in the dugout there, but they're not telling me anything. Yeah. So, like, I at least had that. And you had to have had that to some point where, like, you were just trying to compete with your buddy in the backyard. Like, at you, there were these things, yeah. and they were just suppressed by all this BS of the 1990s and 2000s, yeah. which really what it is. Yeah. You know, we... I graduated in 2011, and that was the first time, 2010 was the first time I had an inner, I had a website that had slow motion video, and it was at like 60 frames per second. Like, this shit, the stuff that's coming out right now, are you kidding me? I just saw a, uh, I don't know which driveline guy it is, but it three, three Edgertronic slow motion videos on top of one another, three different pitches in like, perfect i could see everything i could see the hair in his nostrils yeah edutronic we're we gotta put that on the list it's one of those and like divisions. eight years ago yeah i i was bringing my casio to baseball practice yeah and people are like why are you doing that you're yeah. a weirdo there's there's certain ideas and things that we like to talk about even and i'm gonna go back to the strikeout stuff because you know what i was saying about the greg maddox things were you know, pitch to contact, in my opinion, is the single worst thing that you can do because it's one, it's not fun. Two, it, it, it may be efficient, but it rarely works out. If you and I are playing wiffle ball right out there over here, I'm not letting you hit the ball, period. I'm gonna be the nastiest dude, right? But with that being said, being a nasty dude, yeah, you of course there's risk that you can walk dudes, right? But just like anything, if you're worried about the risk of walking a guy, you're not focusing on what you're doing. You're not, you're trying to throw strikes instead of what we talk about, which is try to throw hard and throw a strike. That idea and that concept just doesn't always factor into guys. And like you said, we have young dudes to old dudes that go out there and compete and try to strike out as many guys as you can. And people just don't like that. They think it's selfish they think it's different but when you look at the people who make the most money in the big leagues as a pitcher they do it better than anybody else i just was listening to fantasy baseball podcast and they're like well josh Hader is the only reason that we're considering him is because his strikeout per nine is like seventeen thousand. yeah <laughs> exactly and i don't think i think strikeout not even per, a closer he's I, gonna get like 12 saves i think strikeout per nine is a bad stat for pitchers too because it 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 
extends relievers and and people into things and it doesn't like when you hear strikeout for nine it doesn't make sense especially when you have a closer like that guy's never gonna throw nine innings right and okay so that means he has to throw nine innings to feel what he's gonna do so I think strikeouts per inning is way more easy of a thing like if you look at if you look at Verlander Bauer Scherzer like all these guys have struck out for a long time over one guy an inning it's it's a pattern it's a real thing so what is it per nine then it's just, it has to be... Well, no, I just nine. think it's a different stat. That's what I'm saying. I th- the way I look at it, that instead of strikeouts per nine, I'm looking at a one-to-one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Same, so same thing. Bauer, I want to say, threw 198 innings or something like that, or, or maybe yeah, like Yeah, and he better have over 198. Yeah, but he yeah. had like 250. Right. And Verlander was the same thing. Verlander threw Came like 200. Nine, same exact thing. Exactly. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, so it's just a different way of looking at it. So, like, what he, what, the point was, you were telling the, the, what you were saying a second ago about a kid who strikes out nine guys of 12 kids he faces, and every out is a strikeout. That's not an anomaly to us. We're like, yes, that yeah. is. You have officially dominated the baseball game so much so that you've made it unfun for the other team, and right. that's good. I, I get to use these, and I'm going to do it in relation to that. So this is the beginning, this is the end, okay? So, like, we have this spectrum, because you have people on the pitch-to-contact side, and then you have people saying, like, strike out everybody, Yeah. okay? And we tend to be much more closer to the strike out everybody, but we're not idiots, and, like, I understand where this person is coming from. I understand that we see kids who just are so scared or whatever it is, so in their head, that they simply just can't throw the ball over the plate, okay? But the solution is not let them hit the ball. That's the problem. Like, yes, the result, we want them, like, we we want to teach kids that weak contact is a great thing, but is it a byproduct of throw the shit out of the baseball as often as you possibly can, as straight as you possibly can, like not worrying about just letting them hit the ball. Like this person over here, the reason why this is this conversation is even happening is because the kid can't throw a strike. So the, the solution is not, oh, slow down, figure it out, let him hit it. That's like convenient for dad so he can get home and watch his football game and quit watching his crappy eight-year-old son. Like I just don't know, I don't know what else is behind that. <laughs> like, yeah, but like the minute... The Minnesota Twins being like a pitch to contact team for like 15 years, like how can you say that? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like clearly that doesn't work. Yeah, and, and if you look at the big league teams or these teams where they're going, those guys that, you know, look at Chris Sale, look at the Red Sox, look at all of these, Evaldi, look, look, look at the Dodgers. You know, like there's a common theme between the two teams in the World Series every year. For the record, Johan Santana is the best Minnesota Twins pitcher in the last 15 to 20 years, and he's so much shittier than the people that he just named. Like, watching video now that I know what I'm looking at, like, it's no wonder that he went from, like, yeah, it's crazy. How he threw made his changeup disgusting, yeah. but how he threw also made his arm disgusting. Like, yeah. he's he, yeah. he broke down way too fast. Exactly. He had, what, two labrum surgeries, right? I don't, I don't uh, even know, but he uh, was never healthy. He went to the Mets, won a Cy Young, and then was just, or had the uh, no-hitter or whatever, and... And it was done. Like, we know, he went from, like, really good, like, Lincecum, too. But Lincecum's different, but. Yeah, a little hip issue from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, what, what Those, else you got? I don't, um, okay. So, I, let's, let's actually, this is what I think is so simple, okay? I think, and, I, and there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of hours behind this this belief. Okay, this isn't. I don't say this lightly, but I did. I do. I do admit that there's, like, this could be just like, I haven't thought about here. Let me back up. I said this exactly to to Wes and Jermaine. Follow. Okay, there are two different ways you can think about this. I am super excited because somebody hasn't challenged me in pitching for a long time, so I'm making this a bigger thing. Or I'm actually fairly informed and I really do understand throwing and nobody's talking about it this way. And so I just am really excited because nobody's talking about it and it seems fairly simple. So maybe it's the first one, but I do feel like it's the second one a little bit. Okay, I really do. So there's so much controversy on how we talk about the back leg, how we talk about the front leg, what kind of arm path there should be having. Like the, the way that I was taught um, and the way that like pitching mechanics were explained to me was super, super complicated. And I needed that. It was appropriate for me at the time. I like that kind of stuff. I want to hear all the scientific words for things. Like <laughs> I want to understand it to that level. But I know that doesn't do any good for teaching kids how to throw a baseball. And, and so this is how I think, this is how I could simplify what I, I think we are on to. The shoulders just have to rotate. That's all they're doing, okay? So that if I was standing still, and let's say I go super wide in just a lunge, and I am gonna throw the ball, okay? If I want to teach myself the action of throwing a baseball, I am simply just gonna rotate around my spine. There will be no forward trunk tilt. There will be no get out in front with your head forward or your chest forward. If I am simply just standing here, I don't know what that can see, but if- Hold on, let's let's go over here and, and show the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay, so what I was saying is the idea, I brought this up the other day. So if I just go to the upper half, okay, and if I was throwing this way, this is extension. So, and I like Trevor Bauer is talking about this. This part isn't unique. It's just like the idea of putting things together and simplifying. So this is extension. I'm not gonna literally do that. Like nobody's gonna do that. Um, but a lot of people will do this, okay? So it's not, this is not how I get out in front. This is how I get out in front. And, and so I was gonna like simplify it and be like, okay, so if I'm, even if I'm right here, Okay, if I want to simplify this, it is literally this. Now, I won't have people do this, but this is literally what I mean. So then why would there be any forward movement? It's because we are starting to add momentum. So as soon as momentum is introduced, then you start needing to stack the trunk slightly behind the hips, and then the blocking of the front leg will make forward trunk tilt happen, especially if you do a good job stacking your trunk, but I don't care about those things because all I need to teach is the rotation of the shoulders and then a lower half that's okay. Like that doesn't get in the way. And of course I can start enhancing that and like running guns teach kids like what the intent of a, a good lower half should feel like. We have a ton of kids who run and gun and their blocking leg is, is not good at all. You know, so just by them getting a better front leg and running guns, they're gonna get so much better. So like, we, of course it is not as simple as, hey, your lower half has to just like create some momentum and then stop and your upper half has to just rotate. But that is what it is. And that's, nobody's talking about it that simply. 
Like we're making the lower half way more complicated than it needs to be. We're making the upper half way more complicated than it needs to be. There are tweaks to that. You do have to know how the arm path has to work. Yes, we can spend some time doing that, but that's typically taken care of when you just start teaching kids to rotate because a lot of kids don't. Most people, you throw them a ball. Think about the most basic way to throw a ball. You throw a ball into the stands, you say throw it back. Most of them are gonna go like this. You all know that's not the way to throw, but we see it at the most basic level, right? So as it gets more advanced, it's just rotating more and then continuing to rotate, like that's it. And we can, we can talk and discuss like the different, we can discuss the why, and I'm happy to have that conversation, but I think a lot of you know why. It's not that hard to like understand the value of having a longer time for the arm to decelerate, you know? But anyway, it's simple. I think it's really simple. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Yo, he, he wants me to talk about this, and this is one of the big things that what we talk about, and in the shoulder rotation, replace the shoulders. Um, tell I, me what you said. So he told me what, like, the ball kept on missing up, and, like, tell me about that, because that's that's interesting to me. You're talking about, like, when where it goes to what I feel? Yeah. Yeah, so with with me, especially a lot of my throws and, and how much throwing I've done, and we see this with a lot of guys, we can directly see to where – if your shoulders decelerate early or your hand decelerates early, the ball will go up and to the right. Or if it's disconnected, if you don't feel the shoulders going with the arm. You see if I, if I just keep my hands together and I just rotate, there's actually a connection between both shoulders and my back foot. So if my back foot turns, my shoulders go with it, right? It's an active thing. Yeah, yeah, but sorry, I, I wanna come back to more of like the birth of it. Where did it come from? And and he, he had told me that he watched a lot of video of himself when he was playing in mochis, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he noticed that, or like whenever it was, he saw the ball was going up and he saw every time that he got past his, his front hip that the ball was going exactly where he wanted to. And it makes a lot of sense. Like it makes a lot of sense to me. And without telling you why, like you got, like yeah. that's where I don't want to get into the detail, but like uh, there's, a, I know a lot about throwing and not a lot of times am I going, oh, that weird anecdotal story actually makes a ton of sense when you think about it, you know, mechanically. And so what, he, what he's talking about is I had noticed that in some of my video analysis and my outings when I would throw my fastball, one of the things that would happen was my hand would not appear from the camera angle behind in center field behind my left hip. I would come through and then it would just kind of stop right here, just like this right here. There'd be no visual evidence. And so I noticed later that some of my pitches that were in a different, it was a different stadium and a different camera angle that in that particular game, I, I located better, I threw harder. And then I noticed that my hand was getting all the way past my butt. I was really quote unquote finishing, but the general term of finishing never really made sense to me until I saw this. And so this is one thing that I do talk about a lot, which is what throws the baseball. In my opinion, I don't think we throw it with our legs. I think we create movement with the leg, but we throw it with our hand because it's the last thing to, to let go of the ball. And I know that's controversial to a lot of people. Well, it's, just like, it's just like conceptual. Like to me, that, that we don't need to like, you don't have to, John isn't walking around telling people, you have to think about your hand all the time. Like sometimes you do, but yeah. like that's not the solution all the time. That's just something that he really, that really resonates with him. And we're, we try to figure it out for best we can, you know? And so 
when we're throwing and what, what I'm really trying to feel is I'm trying to do where I have both hands move at the same time, both hands never cross, and both hands past my glove hip. I see it <coughs> a lot with guys who have a very long career in the big league. Um, Justin Verlander is one of my prime examples. He's a glove tuck release guy, but really what I think that does is it helps his left shoulder replace from where his right shoulder is, and it gets him to follow through further. And I really think there's something to that. And recognize, like, I know there's counter arguments to this. It's, it's very similar to um, when you hit a baseball. Like, it does, I just heard this the other day that somebody said, after you make contact, nothing else matters. So it doesn't matter if you pull off the ball. Well, the whole point is, is like, what happens if you just mistimed it and you're pulling off the ball? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Of course, in a hitting, of course it matters how you follow through when you hit. And, and I used to not think that either. Like, I used to think, like, oh, make sure you finish your hands high. Like, I thought that was BS. And it, the more I know, it, it does make sense. So um, when, when you throw the same thing, before I got here, I was very much concerned with the loading patterns. And those things are important, too. But what I've just seen is a lot of the loading patterns work really well when you just focus on the shoulders turning. And, like, his point of the hands, these are just indicators that the shoulders have done what it is. So I don't disagree. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't even like saying those. It's just simply like, I think the easiest way to say that is when the shoulders go from here to here, every single time you're giving yourself a chance for your arm to do what it needs to do. Yeah. It has more space. The timing's better. You know, uh, there's other cues and things we say, like the faster you follow through, the better you're going to execute the pitch. And so we really try to make it a thing. So when you come around, you're trying to get your hand to go as far as you can. And I know it turns the head and it turns the shoulders and creates. But that position, part is, you know? that part is now the ball's out of our hand. Like yeah. we, we do have kids that go like this to turn and we don't want that. So like one of the most basic things I show little kids is, I mean, just like here, use me, John. Okay. I'll put them like this and I'll put them and I'll turn their shoulders like this. Yep. And I'm making them keep their head there. Keep turning like this way. Yeah. Okay. No, this way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just do this back and forth with them. And I want their yeah, head yeah. to be here. And then I'll be like, hey, and then when you throw, when you go here, your head will be like this. And then you go over here as you finish. Like, that's not clean rotation. And it seems so elementary. And I hope some of you are going, oh, duh, that's how rotation works. But I'm like, well, yeah, well, nobody's talking about it. Yeah, the, the, the balance and teaching how to rotate, teaching how to turn is, is a skill. Like all of this stuff is skill development and there's a lot of skill development people that I follow and you know, that things that just make me more consistent. You know, it, it, it really just comes, I'm trying to get as consistent as I possibly can so I can pass along this information to someone. That's why I'm 32 and I still throw, I'm, we're gonna launch off today and you know, the guys that know the amount of throws and the things that we do, and you know how much that I throw, like I should not be able to throw the amount of throws that I should at, at the, the strength level and the throwing consistency that I am, but I can still go out and do a run and gun and hit 90 and go in a game and throw 120 pitches in nine innings and, and, and command the baseball. And that's what a lot of people talk about. And some of my favorite throwers that I love to watch throw, Chapman, um, Hicks, uh, Verlander, you know, Garrett Cole, a lot of these guys do this stuff with the shoulders. Bowers. Bauer, you know. Does he stop a little bit? He, he stops a so, bad. So that's the other thing is, like, we are seeing people that, like, we really like, and they're like, oh, but he could.
could go a little bit farther. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't want to get I don't want to get so much farther into it because we we can do other podcasts. Um, leave them hanging a little bit. There was one other thing that I want. Oh, um, the idea. Okay, so I, I want to talk a little bit about like us as human beings for a second. Can we go there? Yeah. Okay, so um, if you have any other questions, DM us about what we just talked about. There's a lot there. It's good stuff. So let us know if you have questions. But as far as because I came in here and I was very skeptical and like and I'm annoying when I'm skeptical. So the fact that he put up with me like thank you, but also he has been so transparent and and it's so weird because I I know that I was in my little world in Minnesota, but I also feel like I'm fairly aware and I listen to people. Um, so I I'm I'm hearing conversations and you just there there are a lot of people that have a hard time hearing criticism or just like I don't know how else to say it besides he's he's very we're, we're very transparent so a lot of this stuff I'm like dude that doesn't make sense and he's like yes it does or oh really you know like sometimes it's I piss him off sometimes I don't and it's like the fact that we have the comfortability to do that I don't know that I think that's super unique and, and I'm just saying this to be transparent because I think it's really important that people understand who we are as human beings and that we do have conversations that are very out on, in front. And if we think something is wrong, we want to make it better. Um, and we're very willing to say that we don't understand something. I, I just heard somebody talking about this the other day and it's not new, it's not the first time I've heard it, but when you can say, I don't know, and maybe that, like if I say, I don't know, and maybe at, on the training floor a lot, like that's a really good thing. Yeah. Hey Cash, should I do this? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Like, let's talk about it. Let's figure out if that makes any sense. It, it goes back to... Then they're actively involved. Yeah, and exactly. We're actively involved. Now we have the athletes thinking about what they are doing, not what we are doing, not what we are saying. And that's really what we want. We want them to get in their own thought process to feel what they see and what happens. That's the very, And that's that flow state that I was talking about earlier was like, you have to be able to feel your body, the proprioception of understanding what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it is what's going to make you more consistent. And you can call that pitching mechanics to the, to the day you die. But that's why that just makes it sound clunky, mechanical, and things that, that are... We are aware of the vernacular or the verbiage that p kids don't succeed in. Like, we are aware of some of the cues and some of the connotations to some of the coaching cues that are there, and we try to avoid those, or at least navigate them and explain them very well. So, maybe yeah. balance point is the best thing that you've ever done, but like that's just something that doesn't make sense to what we see happening. So, yeah, to me, balance point means something completely different. You know, it's but it, but we get it. So, all right, well, uh, I think that's pretty good for so far, right? Yeah, we did pretty well. We got some ideas out. Um, if you like, you said, if you got any questions, DM us. Don't forget to follow us on social media: Instagram, Jason Test Thirty Four, Cutter Nation Baseball, or San Diego Baseball Training. I'm CK Soda Baseball. My Twitter is CK Soda. So yeah, I got a good one. Twitter. Yeah, we don't we Twitter don't tweet Twitter, much. Yeah. I've only been a retweeter. Honestly, I just uh, here here's a social media tip: create an account that's only for baseball and follow only baseball accounts and spend 15 to 20 minutes a day on that and just consume good baseball information. You're gonna get mental stuff, you're gonna get skill stuff,
you're gonna get strength and conditioning stuff. If you don't have those resources, ask us. Great idea of the day for social media. Also, if you're gonna be up in Washington, we're actually going up there next weekend Regiment. for our boy Cordell Green and- uh, Minnesota kids, he's from Maple Grove. Yeah. For so, a year, graduated there. Yeah, so we're pretty excited about going him. We're gonna get in there and, and uh, get with his guys, show him the program. If any of you guys out there who have a facility and are interested in us coming over and showing us your program, we've done that with a bunch of people, but we were definitely willing to work for more. DM us if you have any questions about that too. Got anything else? Great job. Throw have hard. a great day. That's it. Don't forget, throw hard.